Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Hanready, and I've heard rumours that there won't be an encore. Welcome to No Encore, episode 106. Uh, there wasn't an encore at the Young Fathers gig last night, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Joining me, returning from England, where he was at a wedding, mm-hmm. Colm O'Regan. Hello. How was the wedding? A lot of fun, yeah. Congrats to Harry. They won't be listening, they're in the Seychelles, but uh, Harry... You can Harry still say congrats. Yes, congrats, Harry and Ben. Us, like, this is a podcast, mate, it goes around the world. Yeah, it's true. You can put, yeah. it, put it in your pocket like Steve Jobs. <laughs> So, uh, also joining us this week in the absence of Craig Fitzpatrick, who's on holidays, uh, a holiday that he had to take because he realised that his holiday vouchers were about to expire an hour before he booked it, is, of course, our wonderful roving reporter, David Anthony Tapley. Hello. It's good to be back. Welcome back, sir. Good to have you back, man. Thank you for having me. I will not be plugging the Tandem Felix gig that takes place in the Workmen's Club on Thursday, the 5th of April. And Good. no more will be said about that <laughs> rock show that takes place in the Workman's next Thursday. Won't be saying anything about that. So, yeah, in the meantime, though, this week you did manage to get uh, two gigs. I did. I should. It should have been three gigs, but we'll we'll explain <sighs> why it wasn't. And Cullum's heart will break once again. But first, we'll start with last Friday night when I went to see Sigrid, the Norwegian pop sensation herself, mm-hmm. who shot to fame off the back of an excellent performance of her song Strangers on Graham Norton back in January. She is the next big thing. And it was very enjoyable. I was working that morning at 7am, 
So I was very tired by the time I got to the academy and their uh, over 14s gig, no bar situation. Oh, yeah. So that wasn't amazing. But uh, I liked the gig. She's a great performer. Very, very charming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just seems like a cool, like, kind of, you know, I suppose girl next door type is that i guess is what they're going yeah. for and her band are excellent as well it was really good although i will say that i mean it's very early days she doesn't have an album and outside of her kind of big song strangers and don't kill my vibe the songs aren't quite there yet but that's fine because she is there as a performer yeah and that's the charm that's the thing a lot of the songs kind of sound very samey but i'm sure once you get to that album situation you know the good cuts will out. But I was going to say they don't. Seem, they don't seem to be in any tremendous rush anyway. So isn't no, there, isn't there another song called "Don't Kill My Vibe"? There's Kendrick Lamar with "Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe," mm-hmm. and Sacred has a, another song called "Don't Kill, don't Kill My Vibe," yeah, okay. which is not, no bitch. It's not a cover. That's like the anecdote I heard on the new "You Talking You Too to Me" thing, the OEM <laughs> one, where Scott Ackman says he finds his friend's CD and he's like oh you do a cover of 8 days a week and he's like no that's an original <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it is that kind of thing where you're like is that a bit whatever and I think they're both signed to Universal but so. didn't Hosier and Sinead O'Connor both have a simultaneous release of Take Me to Church well yeah I think Sinead O'Connor's came along a little bit after the fact and hers was like a much more upbeat dark pop song see she's back in the news she's uh, announced some gigs and changed her name oh right she has oh I saw the name change Magda Devitt right don't, okay. know, what, don't know what's going on there Nope. But the Sacred Gig was good. Uh, yeah. Very, uh, very like, rousing young crowd who were really, really into it. Although it was that weird thing where, like, you know, you know, she's a new artist. She's, like, 21. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have a lot of songs yet. So, obviously, the gig is going to be, like, an hour long, which sure. can often be the optimum time for a gig, I find. And then, at the end of it, when she plays Don't Kill My Vibe, after Strangers, the two big songs, people are fucking, like, stepping past me and, like, like shoving me out of the way to, like, get to this corner. And I'm, like, in this bottleneck. And I'm, like... Gig's over, guys. Like, if you've any fucking appreciation for a three-act structure, you will know that this gig is about to end. But maybe, no, it's, no. maybe it was their first gig, Dave, who knows? Maybe what, it was. What, what time was this at? I know these underage gigs. Too. Oh, like, I want to say ten past ten. Okay. No. Or oh, early night. Early night, yeah. Good. Which, which is good, because I was very tired. Yeah. Then but, last uh, night was Young Fathers. It was. Last night was Young Fathers in the Academy. You were supposed to come with me. I was. And but I had to bail. you had to bail for uh, other commitments. He's a very busy man, is Colin <sighs> Regan. But I, I brought uh, our good friend, Brother Yosef. Ah, oh, Brother Yosef. Who loved it. Yeah. As did I. They're such Imagine. a force of a band. What a what a maelstrom of a gig it was. Is, is, it, is the new album particularly forceful on stage? I thought so. I yeah. mean, songs like Toy, definitely. Sure. Uh, in my view, sounded fucking positively communal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that weird thing, though, of like, you know, they're on stage and like, you got uh, G. Hastings looking particularly angry, like the angriest snooker player that ever was. Mm-hmm. And the two lads are going fucking nuts, which is great. And then their percussionist man in the background, who looks exactly like a guy I work with, who does the client posts for Joe, uh, except this guy's lovely, but this guy looks like his really angry twin. And this guy's playing the fucking, like, the percussion is like, it's basically like a bass drum turned on its side, mm. some toms, uh, like kind of a, a pad, like a, like a synth pad as well, and then some cymbals. But at one point, he's fucking playing all these drums with two tambourines. Fair enough. So I'd never seen that before. But no, they're such a force to be reckoned with, and I loved them, and it was great, and it was really, really enjoyable. So Good. yeah, I enjoyed the gig quite a lot. I would go and see them again if I could. I decided that I couldn't possibly go to any gigs this week after having my heart crushed. Oh, my tiny heart fell into pieces as I walked along Stevens Green at a quarter past four on Tuesday. And got my message. And got the message, gig is off. Phoenix have cancelled their gig. 
on the day <sighs> at four o'clock of the day of their last mm. uh, the last night of their tour because singer uh, Thomas is that how you pronounce it? I think so yeah Thomas Thomas Mars, Thomas Mars yeah. was ill so it's been postponed it will be rescheduled uh, we don't know when that will happen hopefully soon it cannot not, come soon enough hopefully not at a festival because Cullum was so hyped for this gig I know I don't I don't think I've ever looked forward to this gig as much I don't know more why more hyped for this gig than like, anything I can ever remember I, I think it was just I realised as it started getting closer and closer that they're one of the few bands that I really like that I haven't seen yet. Mm. And what's more, as I kind of like, you know, went back to their back catalogue in the lead up to the gig, which you wouldn't always normally do, certainly not, you know, in in um, in quick succession. Yeah. I was just like, oh shit, look at all these bangers. Just to like, get back into it. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then I even snuck a look at the set list and I was like, oh, come on, let's how go. Sick, how sick do you have to be, you know? Is it a... <sighs> Has it come out, what happened? It has not. There are rumours, which we will not get into. Oh, no. oh dear. But um, nonetheless, it's a disappointing uh, thing to happen because, yeah, I was I was very much looking forward to it. Uh, a friend of the show, Zara Hedeman, had made a playlist based on their set list, and I was getting well into that, and it was mm-hmm. going to be great, and then it didn't happen. It still will be great, we just don't know when. Okay. Have you been to any gigs lately, of note? Um, I went to a couple of gigs the weekend for last, went to see Willie Mason. All right. Um, How's he now? He's good. He seemed to do like a full-on two-week tour just around Ireland. Okay. And it was when the snow was happening. That's a bit more than two weeks ago, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, he played like multiple shows down in Cork. Played Dublin. Played in Galway. Played all over the place. Um, but it was really good. It was like a full band setup minus a drummer. Um, but I think he had some sort of drum machine, or maybe he was stomping on some sort of box or something. But yeah, that was great. I mean, I saw him like maybe 11 years ago now and he was still playing with the same violin player so that was nice to see. I saw, well, I was meant to see him about 11 years ago. I was at a festival in Belgium and clearly they weren't all travelling together. Well, whatever had happened, he'd been delayed. It got stuck somewhere and wasn't going to be able to make it. So they ended up playing with like half the band and Willie Mason's brother. <laughs> he plays As drums for him, I think. Yeah, well, he was yeah. front man on this occasion. It's funny you should mention <laughs> that because I saw him in New York. And his violin player was late, <laughs> like straight off the bus. She had her coat on, like took it off. These guys need to communicate. It's just a good tour manager is what they need. I admins, think, yeah. they need to get some admin. admin. I should note, speaking of no drums, I should note, um, I also went to a book launch last night, right? which was for John Connolly, the Irish author, his new book. And my old band, my old bandmates were playing together at the launch. Uh, because I must have stung. It was weird because I, I was sitting there as like a proud friend and also being like, oh man, I wish I was there playing drums along to this. It's pretty cool. So long story short, uh, the new John Connolly book in the Charlie Parker series has a soundtrack CD with it. And my good friend David O'Brien from Drahada uh, composed who, the entire score. He supplied our old team music. In fact. He did supply our, our first team music, yes. Mm-hmm. And he composed the entire score for this as, as, as part of a long-term project. And they played some kind of music from it at the start of it before John came out and spoke. And it was very, very cool, very, very different. Um, Dave would be very much influenced by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross so it's in that kind of vein while also being its own thing and it was cool but I did also be like oh man if I could just do some Young Fathers S percussion to some of this right now banging tambourines yeah big time but it was was very cool Uh, it sounded great and I'm very very proud of my friends so it was a nice moment Good job, lads. All right, uh, let's get some news. Yeah, let's. I mean, a weird week for news because there's not a lot happening and then there's a lot happening and not a lot of it is very good. No. So the March for Our Lives protest, which is good, took place in the States and actually worldwide in like other places as well. Mm. Um, last weekend, 
and like you had the likes of Kanye West turning out for it, and Paul McCartney and various others in the music world. One person who did not and denounced the thing is Jesse Hughes, the frontman of Eagles of Death Metal, who of course is perhaps best known for a very unfortunate and horrible incident in the Bataclan uh, venue in Paris a few years ago, where many people lost their lives as a result of terrorism and gun violence. Jesse Hughes, of course, was definitely shaken by the experience and appears to have some kind of post-traumatic stress disorder. However, you would think that such an experience would make him incredibly anti-gun and pro, you know, like, let's get rid of these guns and all this kind of stuff. But no, in fact, he's gone the other way, and this isn't the first time he's kind of spoken out about this. But he penned a lengthy Instagram rant, reiterating his anti-gun control stance and calling the March for Lives protesters, quote, vile abusers of the dead. He accused the Parkland shooting survivors from that shooting in Florida of playing hooky at the expense of 16 of your classmates' blood, shared a doctored image of student protester Emma Gonzalez, who's kind of the poster girl for this uh, movement, um, and, like, Photoshop, show her tearing up the Constitution, all this kind of stuff. He then put out a separate post where he just, like, went on such a rant, and it, it just came across like someone who's just not well. Yeah. He's since deleted them. Uh, at one point he was like, oh, what, what I've realized is, you know, I shouldn't mix politics and rock and roll. I'm going to set up a separate Instagram for my d- politics. To which you're just like, I don't think that's the issue, mate. No, and he also did the classic bullshit line of, you know, like, you know, hey, you know, here's what I realized. I sure don't agree with what you're saying, but I'll defend, you, you know, until the death, you're right to say it. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to cast too much judgment on this guy because I have to believe he's genuinely been traumatized by his experience. But it's just bizarre to me that somebody who had that experience would have this attitude. So so staunch. Well, listen, I mean, like, the thing is that, I mean, like, you go back three years ago to before the Bataclan. And there's a great um, Grantland profile. It's still online if you want to find it, even though Grantland is now dead. um, Where, I mean, like, he's he's a birther. Like, he says, like, Barack Obama is a non-fucking American born. Uh, the theory of evolution is for fools who believe in quote-unquote magical talking monkeys. Uh, he's an ordained minister in some sort of weird church. I mean, like, he's always been this right-winger conservative. And, you know, I guess it was when people were, like, assuming that he'd now be a frontman for anti-gun violence and so on after the Bataclan, and he turned out not to be. There were a lot of people put out for it. Marina Hyde of The Guardian wrote a great thing at the time talking about, like, you know, how he was, you know, the wrong victim, so to speak, for the public narrative. But, I mean, I've said this many times on the show before, like, I don't necessarily look to rock stars for commentary on this at the best of times, and certainly not one who has a lengthy history of being a kind of a conservative, gun-toting, creationist, you know, Participating in simple debate or sensible debate doesn't really seem his thing. No, this is definitely it was a, that's the sort of event that would make someone who has pro-gun beliefs feel strongly feel further strongly yeah. about such things. So I know you can't. Yeah, you can't expect much from someone who's in a band called the Eagles of Death Metal. <laughs> Have I ever told that great anecdote? And much as I hate to give credit to a scumbag like Axl Rose. Years ago, like over a decade ago, he was Eagles at Metal were supporting Guns N' Roses on some American tour, and apparently they like went down so badly uh, as an opening act. And one of the nights that like Axl Rose came out afterwards and was like, "I want to just apologise for the old for the pigeons of shit metal earlier on. <laughs> Won't be seeing them again." Yeah. Oh. Fired them promptly. Yeah, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a really ghastly thing. And I guess the annoying thing about it is like. The guy has influence. The guy has a lot of fans and a lot of impressionable people who are like, yeah, Jesse, you tell like it is. The thing is, I mean, like, he wouldn't have nearly as much influence if he hadn't been 
kind of put onto this pedestal by a lot of people who were hoping that he'd sort of be one of us, and now that it's, he's not. Well, someone who has an, uh, a, definitely a more liberal audience, I would suggest, would mm. be Run the Jewels. Killer Mike um, has kind of exposed himself as a bit of a hypocrite and a fraud uh, when it comes to this kind of thing, and has doubled down on it and tried to dig himself out of a hole this week. Essentially, he appeared in a video made by the National Rifle Association... And, you know, this led to people being like, what the fuck? I thought you were one of us. I thought you were one of the good guys. You're a pro Bernie Sanders, all that kind of stuff. But he has said before, I'm a gun owner and you ain't taking my guns. He disgusted with Bernie Sanders. <laughs> like, literally, that weird thing that they did in, like, I think it was called yeah, the yeah. Swag Shop yeah, yeah. in Atlanta. And yeah, yeah, he, he absolutely said to Bernie Sanders, look, we don't agree on this, but... Okay, so what did he say in this interview, Colin? So, yeah, in this interview, he once again... Um, you know, with regards to the the March for Our Lives, said that uh, he had told his kids that they would not and should not be going. He said that if you walk out of that school, walk out of my house, we're not a family that jumps on every single thing an ally of ours does just because some stuff we don't agree with. Great parenting right there. Yeah, I mean... He said he finished by saying we were raising a generation of kids where everyone gets a trophy, but in real life, everyone don't get a trophy. In real life, the cops don't come on time. In real life, depending on where you live, you're not going to have the time to try to logic your way out of something. Now, part of the issue is that he's saying all this to the NRA. And NRA TV, I mean, it's a bit like somebody who's looked at social media and said, you know what, this is too conducive to nuanced debate. Have either of you seen John Oliver's piece about NRA TV? I have, yeah. From a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It's really good. It's great. And NRA TV is terrifying. Well, it, it looks, yeah, it's genuinely frightening. It's ridiculous. Have you seen it, man? No, like, I'm assuming it's like Arsenal fan TV, but for guns. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and they yeah. have all these themed shows, like, and like they have like one where it's like... Guns for girls. Guns for girls, yeah. yeah they have, like, okay, pink, yeah. pink guns, and there's a girl who's pregnant, and, like, they give her, like, a painting of, like, the, a painting as a present, but the painting is arranged by, they have, like, bottles full of paint. They've been shooting. And they shoot the bottles, and then the paint explodes onto the thing. That's mm. beautiful. And that's what she said. She said, yeah, that's really beautiful. So, yeah. <laughs> these people exist. <laughs> they do. I know. Again, though, this is one of those things where, with Killer Mike, again, you know, he said all these things before. I guess it's just really uh, a time and place issue here. He said that he didn't know that the NRA was going to release the video and at the time they did and use it seemingly as kind of, you know, propaganda against the March for Our Lives. He's apologised for it profusely. Um, And, I mean, look, here's a guy, I guess, who's shown that he is willing to get into nuanced debate. Like I say, he sat down with Bernie Sanders and discussed gun laws and, and... you know, um, restrictions and so on and so forth. So, I mean, yeah, just just don't go on NRA TV. Is that the big lesson we're taking from I this? I think that's the big lesson, yeah. I mean, like, how could this possibly have blown up in his face? LP has put out a message of support while also kind of distancing himself, which is hilarious, because he was like, hey, he's my brother, but I don't agree with this, but he's also still my friend, and hey, uh, yeah, like, do what you want. And then he obviously, you know, kind of did a climb down. Yeah. I think I'm like, generally, his head and his heart are in the right place. But Absolutely. But obviously, these issues are different and I'm mean, to be fair and what I will say is I mean like you know the three people at this table we don't even understand what guns are so like I'm yeah. very aware of how privileged we are by comparison and and, and not only that but textually yeah, I also, can't really relate yeah and what's more given that his stance is largely down to African American gun ownership and you know kind of like protecting a persecuted minority yeah, we definitely don't know what he's really talking about here. But, yeah, I mean, look, I'm sure he's got some valid viewpoints. 
this just was not the forum in which to share them. True enough. As for Chris Pratt, let's see you defend your gun nonsense. What did he do? He's big into guns. Oh, was, oh that's it? Yeah, he's big like, like He's definitely, like, he probably, probably voted Trump, I would suggest. Yeah, okay. But, you know, he's like a matinee idol now, so it's like... Wait, which one's Chris Pratt? Guardians of the Galaxy and Jurassic World. You Park, from Parks and Rec? Parks and Rec, yeah. 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 Oh, for God's he's, sake. He's a gunner. No way. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So, uh, speaking of acting in the acting world, I've been uh, catching up on that TV show, Atlanta. Okay, I haven't gotten there yet. The Donald Glover show that everyone's been raving about. Have you yeah. seen it? No, I haven't. It's good. It's good. Things, yeah. I'm enjoying it. Yes, yeah, okay. I do find Donald Glover overrated as an artist, and I've said this before. I think people are more into him than his output, but I'm enjoying the show. It's mm-hmm. decent. The reason we're mentioning him is because he and his brother were supposed to do a Deadpool TV series for FX Productions. Mm-hmm. And it came out this week that they had left the project due to creative differences, and it all seemed very amicable. But Don Glover has posted a meta-referential script for the finale of said show that uh, purports to accuse Fox of racism, amongst other things. Yeah, I, it's kind of messy, this. It's uh, very messy. Like, it's hard to know what really went on behind the scenes. I mean, FX cited creative differences, and then there's just been reports suggesting that, like, you know, it was a scheduling conflict. Glover wrote like I was not too busy to work in the project uh, given that I didn't really enjoy the movie I'm not too pushed it's not a great movie everyone was just like it is a game changing subversive superhero movie and like, no it's not like no it's not very good and the sequel's coming out and it looks worse yeah and it's that thing of like oh now that they know they've an audience they're gonna like cows out to it like crazy um, does this mean we're gonna get the last Childish Gambino album sooner though well, this like is, is a lot like, of a lot more free time. Is he actually putting out like one more album? He has one more album. That oh, yeah. hey, listen, that's the only reason why he's in the music news. Okay, <laughs> and then like once that album Derek comes, comedy. he's banned. Yeah, he's he's going to have to reapply for a okay, reinstatement. Well, I mean, like in the script, there's a reference to the Beyonce biting saga. Hmm. Have you been keeping up with this? I mean, in, in as much as anybody can. Uh, Beyonce was bitten at a party once, apparently on the face. Yeah, on the face. This is one of those things that I got. I only realized what I had seen when I had read this. Were you at the party? No, 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 no. I I saw a photo on Twitter and someone was comparing the bite. There's photos of the bite and we're comparing them with the bite that... Was it Giorgio Chiellini had on his neck when Suarez bit him yeah. in the last World Cup? <laughs> and someone was saying about, you know, made some joke about Suarez, and I kind of didn't realise why it was coming back up. A website, and only uh, now am I realising. It's, it's an, a, an A-list actress has been accused of this, and lots of people have been speculating about who it might be. But, like, Jennifer Anderson was amongst the people who had a spokesperson be like, what? Why would yeah. you think that Jennifer Anderson would do this? Are you serious? Like, so, no one seems to know who it was who would do such a thing. Well, I mean, clearly some people do, but Beyonce knows. True enough, yeah. We'll never hear. We'll never find out. Because she never speaks to, like, anybody. Unless she makes seems. a concept album out of it. Which could happen. <laughs> Let's Sorry, go with it, yeah. Uh, Becky with the big teeth. Kind of breaking news that I didn't put in the running room, but I've just noticed it a little while ago. DMX. Uh-huh. Where, where do we stand on DMX? I mean, you know, where does anybody stand on him? He's, he's an oddball. How do you feel um, about the news that he's been sentenced to one year in prison for tax evasion? Oh, dear. Okay. I did see the photo of him attending his trial wearing a Def Leppard shirt, is it? <laughs> 
Um, maybe it was yesterday then I saw that, it that'll really endear you the best part about the trial and like this isn't really a long story but like his during the sentencing his attorney played the slipping music video to help the judge quote understand him genuinely in his voice and get across the struggles that DMX has gone through they should have played the video of him learning how to use Google about four years ago that <laughs> shit's incredible I haven't seen that it's unreal like he's actually got this far in life not knowing what Google is and his mind is genuinely blown when he well, finds he'll have, out. He'll have lots of time to learn how to do things now as he sits in a fucking in computer class. cell for the next year or so. Yeah. So, uh, we've mixed music and film. Mm-hmm. Let's mix some music and sport for our final news story, Colin. Oh, how yeah. excited are you about this? You know what? Um, Quavo, for anybody who's unaware, absolutely tore it up at the Celebrity All-Star Game uh, for the NBA All-Star Weekend not so long ago. It was fantastic. Uh, he's now announced that he will be returning to his high school um, for a massive celebrity flag football game. I don't know if his football skills are quite like they are in basketball, but if they are, it's going to be good. Uh, Two Chains is the coach of the team. Coach Two Chains. Yeah, um, with Quavo, Offset, Lil Yachty, my old buddy, and <laughs> 21 Savage all in there. And on the other uh, side, uh, Team Julio, coached by and also including... Uh, the Atlanta Falcons wide receiver Julio Jones. Uh, Trouble, YFN Lucci, Jacquees, and more will fill out that team. Um, you noted that in the story that was written, it was clearly written by someone who doesn't quite know the personnel because you said there's a lot of names here that actually are good ringers. Oh, yeah. yeah like, I mean, you know, they like they clearly just picked one or two that are married, you know, professional football players and just went with that. But, like, yeah, like there's literal Super Bowl MVP winner in Von Miller, uh, last year's Super Bowl winner uh, in Martellus Bennett, um, Mohamed Sanu is in there. Yeah, like this looks like being a really good game. <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest. Easter Sunday. Uh, we don't have broadcast details. I think that's the one thing we're missing. That's we're probably pretty. we're probably just going to have like incessant Instagram clips to go Much on. Much like here. the uh, the greatest Royal Rumble. We're still awaiting on that confirmation that we'll get to see this properly. Oh, surely. Surely. I hope so. <laughs> okay, so uh, before we get to our album review this week, let's have a chat with some up and coming Irish musicians, shall we? This is the sound of AMAC. I have a mind to question your see-through. I'm trying all my best. I struggle inside. I have a mind to question your see-through. I'm trying all my best. I struggle inside. I understand you, but I don't do. I don't feel true. It's reeling inside. Hello, we're uh, in the studio. I'm, I'm disheveled as always. We're joined by A. Mac. Hello, Aoife and Dan. What's the crack? How are you? Hello, hey, how are you? Oh, thanks for the room. Stadiums full of people <laughs> applauding. Uh, a few nights ago, you opened for Django Django. How was that? It was Great. brilliant, yeah. Was we haven't really formed good. in ages. So. It was it was our first time playing in a while. We've been kind of locked away working on new music, and it felt really good to play it live in front of people. So yeah. we're kind of buzzed afterwards. Yeah. We were saying the Tivoli's a bit of a strange venue because it's getting all these class acts, but they're demolishing it soon. So, mm. I mean, did it feel like, oh, this is a good one to tick off the list? I, no, to be honest, we, <laughs> did, we wouldn't really <laughs> think of it. That's, it's, it. It was weird. I think it's like, because obviously like District 8 and stuff, it's usually used to banging dance music. Mm. So it, did, it was a bit weird kind of... Or professional wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Brings us there usually. <laughs> um, so I think it was, yeah, it was a bit strange seeing like you know a rock and roll band and stuff there but it was good yeah I'd- 
speaking of banging dance music, uh, I think that District 8 will have a new home in my housing complex. Oh, because, yeah. as Cullen will know, there's, a, there's been a rave going on since about 1am last night. Oh, really? Just a few doors down. And it happens every few weeks. So Have you know. joined in? Or? No. no. Uh, I can't join in because I'm, I'm denouncing them. So, <laughs> like, like, how do I possibly... I don't know. Oh, I mean, like, I guess guards. an odd question for you, but do you have any tips on what to do? Because the guards don't seem very interested, so... And you're trying to get your shit down? Well, I'd say I probably definitely beat them, join them. I think. That's what, That's what we said, yeah. <laughs> Can you see that happening, though, Colin? You should set up a bigger rave in your, in your gaff. <laughs> it's too much, <laughs> Start though. charging in. I don't know who these people are. I mean, like, I'm seeing people, like, clamber into taxis at, like, five o'clock, and they look like they've just been through hell. Yeah. What is it that's a... Uh, is it... The general vibe of it that you have a problem with, or the music, or the music is very loud and the people are talking a lot, and it's like it's like being at a festival, only yeah. it's a residential area. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and, and midweek, like yeah, that's a bit insane. It's I, in like March as well. Yeah, it's no, it started a few weeks ago when like we don't know if they're squatters or if they're new to the area and they're not they're not familiar with you know the standard custom of not having a rave at <laughs> three in the morning till the next fucking day. It's I came home last night and I was fairly drunk, so I didn't even notice it. But then yeah. on, on my Facebook house page, because I have one of those and it's the worst thing of all time, don't ever get one. They were like, oh, is this thing still going on? And I was like, what? It, just going back to your point that you'd want to be one brave and or misguided squatter to be like, I'm going to try to subtly blend in here and throw a rave. Yeah, maybe they have all the papers in order. Misguided squatter is another... Great indie band, great indie band name. Uh, at the electrification launch, the media portion of it in the morning because I didn't go to the evening one. I was talking to Melvin Ben a few weeks ago, and your name came up because he was talking about the rebounds program. Mm. So, for anyone who doesn't know what that is and how you got involved, what is it and how did you get involved? Um, so it's just to um, give women in the industry who are up and coming an opportunity, a platform to perform at festival public festivals, and to get some studio recording time. And just to make connections within the UK industry, um, that yeah, kind of give it a platform that wouldn't usually be available. Mm, yeah, so, so yeah. you've made a nice application video, a nice video application. Yeah, uh, my boyfriend w- shot and edited. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually in the background the whole way through. We're <laughs> yeah. like, no, no. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was. I did it ten minutes for the deadline and didn't think um, we'd get it. We, um, got it. we, we went we over did. to Leeds then. Um, few weeks a month ago yeah end of january and, uh, yeah. we got to meet some nice people over there got to run of the studio and stuff which was nice yeah um so yeah it was good how do you feel about i mean like it's such a cliche but like you're almost like a poster girl for this campaign now i guess right being one of the first people involved in it and being a name that people both here and the uk are talking about how does that kind of sit with you well i don't really feel like a poster girl <laughs> page three model um, <laughs> uh, no i don't i don't feel like that i just feel like it's a good opportunity for us as a band and for me as a writer and a performer as opposed to me as a, a woman yeah. and a, a female face. And it's interesting as well that you say opportunity because I think for a lot of people, you know, the idea of a campaign like this, they see it as being a climax of sorts when in reality this is just the seat at the table. The, the hard work yeah. starts now almost, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's a, like if all these things are like vessels more than anything else to try and get you to where <clears throat> you are trying to go. Yeah. It does seem to be like a genuine conversation that's happening, and I guess it's taken a very long time to even kick that off to a degree. And you're still seeing a lot of own goals being scored by people, but there does seem to be a genuine sense of this. Like, it does feel like, yeah, you know what, let's actually try and change this a little bit. Yeah, totally, yeah. But I think, like, people, like, bands in the, within the industry, within our scene, <clears throat> we don't feel like that at all. Um, it's just kind of in the it, yeah, it's weird grander in, scheme in of things. Dublin, because it's like, you know, in, like, London or... Paris or Berlin or somewhere. I mean, there's so many people that like all these other 
scenes can emerge and then you can look at all the artists within that particular genre but here in dublin there isn't enough people so it's like <laughs> just the dublin music scene and yeah it's just like everybody within that but yeah i guess we'd ne- yeah we'd always think of it as just like you know just other people playing music yeah and being like oh this is really cool that there's you know there's more attention on women and stuff now but like obviously it's great do you find dublin to be a particularly supportive scene definitely yeah yeah well, do you not think well so? no, no, I do. No, <laughs> Dublin, the scene is great, and there's so many great artists and people doing great stuff. But it, it's very. Um, there's so many great female artists now. Yeah, totally. That have come out in the past few years. It, it can kind of be. <laughs> they come out as artists. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an artist. <laughs> I've realised. Yeah. Right. Telling yeah. my parents is the hardest part. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm a woman, but I'm actually an artist. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it'd be nice. It would just. It would be really nice to know if, if Dublin can get seen globally the same way that it, 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 it is one of the has the art in it it is one of yeah. the problems of a very supportive scene though isn't it where when you have basically a situation where everybody's helping each other out and everybody's giving each other a leg up mm. i suppose internationally it's kind of like who do i listen to in dublin yeah. oh everybody yeah. not gonna bother <laughs> yeah. then yeah. yeah totally you know and, and that's why i guess international recognition and the platform overseas can be incredibly valuable right because it's, it's a chance to kind of put your head above the parapet so to speak yeah. But it's a great space here to develop your, your sound and your just yourselves. And that's, I suppose, the great benefit of having that network of people. Mm-hmm. Who, and because it's so small as well, once you kind of start to get to know people, you sort of you get know to everyone. know everybody. Yeah. And that would probably be a lot scarier if we were starting in like London or somewhere from the bottom and trying to work up. So it's a nice, friendly environment to yeah. make music in. Now, to that end, I mean, the past eight or nine months, you guys have basically squirreled yourself away and, and wrote, right? Yeah. Yeah, we just hold up in my house, in yeah. my little studio. And we started last writing. summer, <clears throat> and yeah. um, we're just testing it out, weren't we? Yeah, we were just we, we were trying to uh, kind of focus the the sound a bit more. Um, and Eva was coming to me with like we you know we were trying to kind of listen to find some influences that we were both really into, mm. and then just try and sort of get some ideas down that sounded like what we wanted to sound like so we did it initially as just a sort of test run to see if it would work and then it really worked so we decided to just keep doing it and then wait to sort of re-emerge and was this the first time that you guys had worked together because with the greatest respect and i guess everybody had associated ae mac with yourself and ellie of course before yeah of course yeah yeah no this is the first time that we started writing together yeah see i i joined the band so ae mac was for most of its life so far has been like a seven-piece band. With uh, um, both myself and Ellie, obviously. Yeah, with Aoife and Ellie at the front. But then the writing process was always um, Aoife and Ellie, and then the, us the lads would contribute as well. So I joined as like a keyboard player, responded to like an ad email. Uh, and then um, we were finding that it wasn't... <laughs> One of two. <laughs> yeah, I, there was two people auditioning. You're in. I got in, thankfully. But uh, we were finding that it wasn't... We weren't really getting a lot of stuff created it was taking a long time which which I've always found myself anyway in when you're kind of in a room with a lot of other people it can be tough to yeah. kind of get one coherent yeah it's goal. really hard arranging with seven people mm. <clears throat> so, so I was so bringing the songs to the band try it down yeah. the two of us and yeah. how much change happens though like if you bring something into that room and it's like six different people kind of coming back at you with different ideas like is it like, um, like how ruthless are you even being like no no it's like this guys yeah well see for example for the first EP I would have come up with all the bass lines for my vocal and the guitar lines and 
um, brought it in and been like, this is what it sounds like. Like, you play that, you play that, you play that. Might as but well have just gone full Bobby McFarlane and just recorded the whole thing yourself. Like. <laughs> um, but as time went on um, for the for the last single, before Glow, for I Walk, we would have written written the whole thing together, really. <clears throat> all the parts. So, yeah, so at the moment... I'm bringing the songs up to Dan, and he's producing them. It's it's kind of nice because like Eva's like, I got very good head for melody and top lines and stuff, and I can kind of hear as soon as she starts singing, I can sort of hear what I want to go around it. And it's all based on because we took a lot of time to think about what we wanted to do artistically yeah. and what what, like, what our influences we wanted and stuff. <clears throat> so it kind of what you're saying about us like being like hold away was like very important to for to us to get it right and try to present it properly now. Did you enter it with an idea of where you wanted to go? Because obviously, like between Ellie leaving, between the the songwriting process changing, mm. that's quite a quite a change from the norm. Basically, did yeah, you know totally. this is where we want to end up, or was um, it well, a voyage I, of discovery, so to speak? <laughs> it's it's constantly a voyage of discovery. <laughs> um, but I I basically I write so I can perform. <clears throat> so. I love dance music and I love electronic music. So I thought, You right. love that rave that's going down. Like, yeah, yeah can you, you bring us afterwards. Yeah, it's still the going, so. <laughs> um, but I love The Knife and Fever Ray mm-hmm. and Sylvanesso and bands like that. So I just thought, fuck, let's just make the sound of the music. Um, what music, music I guess like we to didn't really to. know what was going to happen. Like We didn't know what it was going to end up like. We just wanted to try it this way. Mm-hmm. And... It works. It's, it's, well, it's working. It's working. Yeah. You mentioned a little bit of studio time last month. How much happened? How much can we expect well, to, to honest, hear mo- of it? Most of that is like we, we do everything at home, like in my place. And then it was just really nice to have a bunch of nice microphones and a nice yeah. desk and stuff. But like what we did over there was we just the songs were made and then and we just kind of got some stuff kind of polished up over there. Mm. But it's constantly like writing and recording is like the same thing for us now. So mm. we've got a lot of stuff that we are very excited about so we're not sure what's gonna be released next or like what we're gonna present kind of next but there's a lot anyway to mine from in terms of the performance aspect do you feel like uh we had paddy hannah on the show recently and i asked him like oh, you know, he's, he's great film, the night in spirit store actually oh yeah and Dundalk. yeah oh jeez yeah. my, my old stomping ground but uh, no i'm from Jordan. yeah okay so. Those towns, oh, those t- yeah, I know, that's what it is. Those two towns are forever. Like people, people always think that you're from the other place, and they don't realize that draw people and dot people hate each other. It's a, it's a whole thing. But I, yeah, the spirit store. Spirit, I was like, I mean, like we, we can't go back now. So I can edit myself off the uh, off the interview and replace myself with a rollicking Dundalk accent. But um, yeah, Paddy was in, and like I was saying to him, I was like, you know, he's incredibly theatrical when he's on stage, especially with his facial expressions. Yeah. So I was like, is it a persona? Like, do you disappear into a character? I mean, like you've mentioned, kind of you know the aspect of performance and the artistry of it. So like is there anything like that for AMAC like like do you look at it as a persona it's definitely an alter ego or okay. a kind of persona um, I did lots of musical theatre when I was younger so I always just loved to perform in general and pretend to be somebody else um, so yeah it is totally car- it's, it is character based but I don't like I'm not gonna it's not too mad like <laughs> <laughs> we've been talking lately a lot about kind of creating other worlds other and stuff worlds. to kind of that it's nice for your uh, to you know sonically for your like song to exist in this little place and same thing yeah, on and stage visually, performance wise yeah. yeah you can kind of create a space yeah I think the music that we're making it kind of goes hand in hand doesn't it mm. so does that mean you're basically counting down the days till 
more regular live dates across the summer or what's yeah. the story? Are you itching yeah. to get out there? We are kind of yeah. after the other night. I think we were a little, you know, apprehensive before just wondering how it was going to go, but it went really well and we were really excited for um, festivals and stuff. Because yeah, usually there's loads of us on stage. So there's three of us on stage this time. So it's a bit more so. nerve wracking. Yeah, and so like to not characterize not to characterize it as an afterthought or whatever. But when you say like you're riding with an eye on performing, and obviously you say you know you're very eager to get out on stage, is kind of like releasing singles and EPs and whatever else. You know, is that very much a sideline thing? Just just a necessary. I don't think so because I yeah. mean the the thought that Eva puts into performing and stuff is like what I have put into the making of the song. So mm. I definitely. Can't wait for <laughs> what gets released <laughs> and to get to show people this is what I made. You can do some dancing if you want, though. Yeah, I could. I could give it a try. The world building thing is pretty cool, though. I mean, like I interviewed Ollie from years and years a couple weeks ago, and their new album that's coming out this year is like it's got it's a concept album, and it's about like you know some kind of dystopian world or whatever. And like at one point, I was like, "Oh, it sounds like you're trying to like create your own utopia on this one." And he was like, "I wouldn't call it utopia." And I was like, "Let me have my narrative, please, man." <laughs> but, uh, but like, but that's the thing. I mean, like, like I wonder. I mean, like, do you ever kind of run up against opposition to the idea of of a persona or a character or or building a world where people might be like, "Ah, oh, it's just you know performance art is a bit whatever." Like it can be uh, even like with an audience who might not be familiar with the act. Like I mean, yeah. is there kind of an element to try and win someone over? That's that's probably the one thing about um, Dublin when you were saying when we were saying about like you know it's great that like everybody helps each other along. It's kind of hard to be like try be w- weird or different in a sense because it's a bit like oh get over yourself, like, <laughs> you know. Which is which is such like an Irish mentality to have this kind of self deprecating approach to things, yeah. but. Yeah, I guess you do sometimes feel a bit like, oh, I hope people don't think that I'm stupid. Yeah. Didn't. Well, that's that's the bit I get a kick out of. So I don't really, I don't really care too much. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it too much. Um, I think that's the bit I'm best at. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, so no, I, no, I wouldn't worry about that. That's good, Dan. Did I hear correctly? Are you going over to the Red Bull Music Academy? Yeah, what, I am. What's happening there? Uh, I'm actually going to a thing that your rave sounds really good, but I'm going to this uh, free gaff thing that they're running later. Uh, but uh, yeah, just I don't know what's yeah. It's, hopefully, it's gonna be sweet. I did the application summer. I was like really not expecting to get it at all. I was just really happy to do. There's like this huge application process, and it it forced me to get my stuff together and yeah. forced me to focus a little bit on what I'm doing. And I was just really happy to do that. And then I got the email a few weeks ago saying that I got in. Was it in your trash in. mail or something? It was in my, I was actually <laughs> looking for to be funny. I had to send on a, a stage plot to Eva and I archived it by mistake and then I went into my all mail to find it and then this uh, this thing this email from Red Bull being like from like the day before and I wouldn't have seen it had I not gone into the <laughs> an crash. empty chair in Berlin <laughs> yeah, <you> know. <laughs> and it's like please respond like as soon as possible to let us know so um, what is the deal it's like 60 people so it's like uh, so 61 people from I'm going to sound like they're pure guy now. 61 people from 137 countries apply. Apparently they get like thousands of yeah. people apply. And so they picked two people from Ireland. Um, and yeah, you just go over and they've got like these really good facilities, really nice studios. Um, you're collaborating obviously with all these really great musicians from all over the world. They've got a like guest lectures and stuff apparently like they've got they've had like thundercat and flying lotus and people in like kind of sweet okay teaching you how to so i'm just laughing at the idea of the 60 odd collaborators when you said writing with seven was (laughs) (laughs) well i think 
I don't know. The difference is, I don't know. I guess it's like everybody's gonna be coming into this thing with just like not knowing what's gonna happen, and it's it's gonna be this first day of school vibe. Yeah, yeah. but like, and everybody's probably gonna be trying to you know impress each other, and be, whereas that's like the the writing. I don't know. It's it's a bit tougher when you've got like you're trying to communicate your your artist idea. Yeah. And maybe people aren't on the same wavelength and stuff. And you're going to have to see them next week, which isn't going to be the case. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think Craig went to the Rebel Musicality for for like a hot press feature back in the day. Oh, really? He almost missed his flight home because he he misbehaved. It doesn't sound like him. Uh, They do get cool lectures, though. I interviewed Mm. Young Guru before. He was like kind of Jay-Z's right-hand man, like responsible for all of his sounds and stuff. So it was for that. So yeah, it it does seem like a really, really cool place. Mm. So the schedule for the next little while, when can we expect to see you or hear you soon? So we're playing The Great Escape in May, and then we're playing some festivals um, in What summer. are we playing in Ireland? We're, we're playing, playing Forbidden Fruit, a few unannounced ones. Actually, yeah, they're all unannounced. <laughs> <laughs> so I cannot say anything. Fruit? Yeah. Yeah. Let, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, you just did, oh. mate. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's happened. <laughs> I'll just go into work tomorrow and put a story up on that. Yeah, there we go. First thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I won't. I, I promise you. Not one of those journalists. But, uh, and, well, of course, Glow is out now. Yes. We're going to hear it at the end of the show. We are Sweet. in full. In no full. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no clips here. No, yeah, like no, no voiceover, no nothing, uh, no radio edit, the whole thing. That was Emac. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll do like a, I'll do like a Larry Gogan on it. <laughs> it's Emac with. Is he alive? Is he still alive? I, feel uh, like, I, I think so. I feel like Larry Gogan. Yeah, I think so. He's one. Like yeah. I was having this conversation. Oh, no, yeah. Are you allowed to be on the podcast? Is Larry Gogan still alive? Is that? But no, it'll stay in. I mean, it's fine. Uh, we said we said worse things. <laughs> said way worse. Yeah. No, but I had this conversation today. Like someone died, and I was like, he died years ago. Like, do you ever have that? Like, oh, the where, Nelson Mandela effect, isn't it? Is that what that is? Yeah, there, um, there's a whole theory about the psychology behind it. Yeah, where everyone was convinced Nelson Mandela died before he actually did. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Because I genuinely have had those moments where I was like, yeah. no, I was like, someone's. This is a joke. Like this person died in like 1995. <laughs> But uh, and enough about dead people and <laughs> yeah. uh, all the alive people and good music. Thanks very much, guys, for coming in. Thanks very Thank much for having us. And uh, we'll catch you up in fruit because we're going to be there. Sweet. Gladly. See you then. See you, See you then. So lots more to come from AMAC. Keep an eye on them. But up next, it's our album of the week. It's Frankie Cosmos. It's Vessel. And it sounds like this. For trying. Jesse by the fiercely prolific Frankie Cosmos. Cullum, give us some background here. Uh, how much can I fit into like a reasonable amount of time? Uh, Frankie Cosmos uh, is the vehicle of Greta Klein. It's by now morphed into a full band outfit, but was originally just her, uh, one of a number of uh, pen names that she used. She has released by rough estimation something in the region of 60 albums. Um <laughs> Like I say, on, on with various names and personalities and so on, she clearly just never leaves band camp. Um, for trivia buffs, she's the daughter of Kevin Klein. Um, and Phoebe Cates. And Phoebe Cates, and Phoebe Cates for that matter. Um, 
And yeah, based in New York, this is her third album as Frankie Cosmos with a full band in tow. It's called Vessels. And, well, what do we think of it? Okay, I guess I'll go first. And I, I wish I wasn't in this position because I hate to sound... I, I, I Despite my, you know, uh, contrarian nature, I suppose... <laughs> I don't like to sound dismissive of music, I really don't, and I do try and do my best to kind of click into the frequencies of whoever I'm listening to as best I can. I think I hated this. Like, I think I really hated it, like, I rejected it. I I found it allergic, I I found myself allergic to it. I couldn't get on board with it at all, I really tried, and I just found myself so bored, um, resentful... Like, I just think it's about nothing. I think she has nothing. I think she's devoid of charisma. I think she's devoid of emotion. I think she's devoid of anything. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I think it's trash. I'm sorry, I do. I think I think this is awful. Awful. I think one of the things that bothers me about this... I do like it, by the way. Okay. I didn't think I was going to, um, based on previous output. Um, but I think this album starts brilliantly. I, I think the first... Um, maybe two or three songs are fantastic and then there's a bit of a lull that, you know, for maybe about ten songs, so that's about nine minutes of a lull. Um, (laughs) We should explain, yeah, by the way... 18 tracks, 34 minutes. And that is very much her style. These tracks rarely go above two minutes in length. Which I think is probably, for me, the number one most frustrating thing because she's not at a loss for um, songwriting ideas things to talk about. Now, sometimes those things are quite vapid, like there's an entire song about her phone running out of battery, mm-hmm. which is cool if you want to do a kind of a non-topic sort of David Byrne type thing, but, you know, it, it works when you stretch those things to the nth degree. But it's when you called, write a 30 second... my phone? When you write a 30 second song about your phone, you know, that is one of the ones that should have stuck to the band camp, I think. Um, but then there are some songs which are genuinely quite moving, like the song, I think it's called Being Alive. Yeah. And has this mantra, you know, f- phrase that goes over, over and over. Being, like alive being alive is important, even, even if you feel even like shit. Feel, even if you feel like shit. And it seems like every member of the band gets a chance to mm-hmm. say that. So, like, that's a, for me, when I was listening to it, I kind of got so far into the album after this very bright start, thinking that, okay, it's not going to reach those lofty heights again. And then I had to re-listen to that song four or five times. And it was probably the only song outside of the first three songs that I listened to more than twice. You see, the thing is, though, that that song, like you say, arrives... Is it 10th on that track listing? I don't, actually don't have the list from 12th. Yeah. It's just, it almost ends up swallowed by the rather inane and unremarkable that's going on everywhere else on this record. Inane is a good word. I mean, I, I, I almost want to, like, you know rejig what I said there. I, I don't like using the word trash about this because like it's it's a bit it's a bit mean and I don't want to be mean about it. But I just don't I don't see what's here. And I think that like it's just it's that it's the style and it's just like there's I don't think that there's interesting observations. And there's the argument here for me where it's like why are you releasing everything? Like, yeah. I mean like quality like I can't I said this to someone during the week. I can't respect an artist who has no quality control. And I don't think she has any quality control. I tend to agree. And what's more, I, I saw for her last album, there was a great review. Um, or Well, actually, no, it wasn't even a great review. It just ended up with one great line. And it's a perfect summation, really, that it said, like, these are songs about everyday life at a most basic level. You'll have to decide for yourself whether or not that's enough. And to be fair, I don't think they purport to be anything other than that. I don't think this is an album with pretense or with kind of ideas of what it is or isn't. I think they're just putting it out there. And, like, I 
one of the few things that like really stands out to me about this is that if you don't like it on first listen, I've no idea what's going to draw you in. Because yeah, that's very true. In 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 hooks like both melodically and just in sort of like figurative terms like anything that like a line that's going to grab you or a concept or whatever you're going to get it on the first listen or never yeah and I, I, I don't know I feel like Frankie Cosmos is Zoe Deschanel's Dorian Gray you know because Zoe Deschanel has actually made quite decent music with M. Ward as she and him that's not true Really? Yes. <laughs> okay, I, I think it's quite... Continue. I think it's decent enough, to be honest. But if there was an album that you imagined Zoe Deschanel would make, if there was the Manic Pixie Dream Girl soundtrack, this would be it, right? Both daughters of famous actors? Yeah. I mean... Hang on, Zoe Deschanel? Yes, uh, Mary Jo Deschanel. She oh. was in Twin Peaks. Mm. Oh, yes, you're right. And Caleb um, Deschanel was like a director of photography. I'm not sure. I know he's some sort of... I'm pretty sure he is, yeah. yeah. But like, you feel as though if there was something, anything, in any given track, whether it was a little bit of lyrical complexity or musical complexity, whether there was an interesting melody or, you know, quality instrumentation, then maybe you get away with having everything else at a sort of a relatively unrealized level but instead it's all there and the manic so, pixie dream girl thing i mean like that term like, has become problematic in and of itself sure and yet i mean i can't necessarily argue against you too much on that one because well, like i mean when you've got bus bus train train <laughs> and that song which opens with literally like you have nice eyes they are blue that is why i look at you hmm. i look at you i look at you i look at you i look at you and you're like you know yeah, I this find myself. I find myself recalling the work of Kimya Dawson, which I can't stand. Got it written down right here, man. And the work of Miranda July. Are you getting Juno flashbacks? Because Dave gets really angry when he gets Juno Juno's flashbacks. Juno's my number one. Juno's my, my number one most hated film ever. I think. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh no, come on! It's the worst. Arrested her- Development uh, reunion. That's I mean, they never show the screen. <laughs> to be fair, Jason Bateman is very well cast as a creep, but it's a really bad movie. Um, and like, and I find myself even like thinking back to what I've just said, and all I'm doing now is I'm slamming women, and I, and I don't like, and, and and it's annoying me because I'm like, I don't want these to be bad, but they are, and I can't help it. Like, this is really nothing. There's nothing going on. This is empty-headed navel gazing nonsense, and I just couldn't stand it. It was such a fucking struggle. Don't you say what you really think? I, I know, yeah, right. <laughs> it's not a misogyny I, I mean, thing. It's not a sexism thing. It's just it's a quality control thing, yeah, and it's terrible. And that's the thing. Do you think it could be saved? Like, this, yeah. If she fucking like started a new project, maybe. I think she's. She, well, I don't think she's twenty-four years old. She is twenty-four years old. Uh-huh. She's lived a life that I can only assume is a very charmed one coming from a very upper middle class yeah. or upper class family. There's probably not a lot of experience there to be had outside of so being what's in a with band. The, what's with the, the 60 albums? Like, what the hell? Well, what else is she going to do with her time? But, but that's what I mean. You see, like, like, are there four songs, for instance, even four? There's yeah. nothing on this album. Call from nothing. here. And also, nothing. not a single thing. And, and also, I want to ask you, because you're a songwriter, right. and you've been taking some time with I your record. What do you think about prolific artists? Like, do you think, like, like I don't think it necessarily means that if someone releases seven albums in seven years they're bad I don't think that but I do think that you know if a Kanye West for example who obviously I'm a big fan of if he released seven albums in seven years I think you would hear like cracks and a lack of cohesion and a lack of quality and I mean like when it comes to you and like like making this album like like if you divorce the entire going into the studio process of it which might be a ridiculous thing for me to ask you to do which is from a pure songwriting point of view like 
you know, in terms of your output, like, are you like, look... Does being prolific have any sort of weight? Is it yeah, really? I guess. I mean, like, I'm kind of falling over my own kind of words here, but like, I just kind of feel like I don't think her being prolific is something to celebrate. If anything, I think it's a detriment, but what? sorry. Um, well, I'll reiterate the fact that she's still very young, still very early in her career. Um, and I don't mean early in her career as in she hasn't been doing it for long, but she could continue to do it for conceivably another 50 years, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's there's definitely I was about to say it's definitely sort of a sound of the time at the moment but it, it isn't really it's it is it is very kind of 90s like Liz Fair is one of the other names I had written down here but obviously the multi peaches is something that comes uh to mind first I yeah I I think being prolific in in terms of like releasing you know up to 60 albums on Bandcamp like that's something cool and that's great for fans but when she gets to the point in her career that she's going to be signed up by a big major label I don't know who she's signed to now but being prolific isn't even going to be an option people take that away from you I feel like she's on Sub Pop probably I think she might I think this might have come out on Sub Pop I'm not about the, sure about the one before but um, I don't know I, I, I feel like a lot of artists would be way more prolific if they were given the if they were given the opportunity she's in a, the, the time in her career that she's able to release you know whatever f- 20 albums a year when I was 19 when I started uh, 18 when I started like that putting songs up on Bandcamp and SoundCloud and stuff like that I was putting up a song on the internet for free for people to hear and download every like two weeks or something like that and you can compile them and turn it into tons of albums and stuff but now that I've gotten I've gotten to the point in my life or in my music career in inverted commas that I actually kind of want to make a stab at it you know and and for it to be um, self sufficient, I'm not allowed to be yeah. prolific by my own uh, restrictions or whatever. So I I fucking more power to her. I, yeah, I mean, I think it just changes in nature, doesn't it? And I mean, like these would be perfectly fine. These songs and and this record sitting alongside you know everything else she's done. It's almost like a musical diary, so to speak, where you almost get a song a day or the equivalent mm. of it over you know, an extended period of time. But that in itself, you know, is a very different thing to elevating one album or three albums, as is the case with Frankie Cosmos, and saying like, okay, well, these are special. You know, it's the equivalent of sort of, I don't know, having like, you know, a reality TV show where you're just like following people for 80 days and comparing it like, well, it's not The Sopranos. (laughs) And it's like, well, no, these are two very different things. Um... And while she might succeed in to that end, because I actually do think that there is some sort of value and some sort of point to being that prolific and that accessible if you do build up a little bit of a following online, it just doesn't transfer to a great album for me or even a good album. Uh, yeah, I, I wish some of the ideas were extrapolated on hmm. a little bit and the song and and there was half the, the number of songs for maybe twice the amount of time. Yeah. It doesn't breathe and as a listener you also don't get the chance to really breathe and kind of get used to it as it's going. It just kind of knocks you over the head yeah. with its whimsical hammer and I'm like okay 
Fair enough. <laughs> Cullum. Cullum's having a bit of a laughing. Sorry, the whimsical hammer. All I can think of is like, you know, one of those like blow up shillelaghs oh, yeah, that Irish fans and bring like, around. And it makes like a... <laughs> like, yeah, and you yeah, hit like, someone, yeah. <laughs> All right. Give us a number. This empty... Uh, I, I fucked up my own line. This vessel is empty. No rating. What? Are you NGing somebody? I can't do it, man. Wow. I can't do it. Is this the first zero? On yeah. The- no, I, I gave Eminem's album a zero. This isn't even a zero. This is no rating. <laughs> I couldn't listen to it more than, like, like I, Craig Craig has the five listen test. Yeah. I don't think I made a five listen. Yeah, no, I, I, I did, but no rating. unfortunately it didn't really get much better for me. It, it, it's a four. There's a couple of tracks here that are decent, but as I, an album it fails. As a... As a maximalist at heart, in order to skew the average score of this album, I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. But what would you really give it, man? That's what I just gave it, a 10 out of 10. I think the numbers game is bad. I actually feel shame for giving the Destroyer album 7 out of 10 uh, the last time it was on, so I'm going to refrain from this game and give it 10 out of 10. I, I agree with you on the water point. Refrain Rate, and give it 10 out of 10. Ratings right? are quite bullshit. But, uh, Spoiling my vote. <laughs> out of curiosity, what would you give uh, the Destroyer album now? I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm refraining from this I'm game. Trying to, I'm trying to trap you in this maze of <laughs> yeah. circular logic. No, I would give it. I think it's good out of ten. Okay, fair enough. Let's play a different numbers game with the songs of the week. Between one and five, Tappy, you're our guest. So give us a number between one and five. Three. Well, it's time to panic at the disco. That's Say Amen, brackets, Saturday Night, close brackets by Panic at the Disco. They're back. They had a couple of songs out. It all sounds very Fallout Boy, doesn't it? I was about to say, man, we did a Fallout Boy album <laughs> earlier this year, which I thought was the quota for our 12 months. I'd get away without having to listen to this sort of nonsense again. Uh, incredibly Fallout Boy. Yeah, I mean, from what I remember, Panic at the Disco, when they first broke out, which must be about 13 years ago at this stage, it was kind of with that emo-tinged pop-punk music, but like with... A uh, little bit of pomp and circumstance added, so to speak, like Baroque pianos the or vaudeville like, theatrical. Yeah, thing, string yeah. sections, and yeah, your man dressed like a vaudeville ringleader. And I mean, you know, granted, got them some sort of success. And I, I mean, even that's dialed down now. But you realise, oh, <laughs> without that, it was rather empty, wasn't I it? I believe they were discovered on MySpace by Pete Wentz of All It Boys. So right, there is that DNA attached to them, and they're definitely like you know fucking trying to make Dad proud now. Uh, the breakthrough single was I Write Sins, Not Tragedies. Yeah. And the guy, the singer on this band, I think his name is Brandon Urie. I think that's I'm his down. name. I could be wrong. But there's a great video from a couple of years ago of him at a gig playing the song and doing the intro. And he's like, not having it. He's like, he's he's hit the point. He's hit the wall. He's hit the King's Leon Sex and Fire wall. Right. Where he's like, I actually hate this song. And at one point, he, like, he's just kind of shouting the words at the start. And then he's like, I fucking hate the song. Right. Like, <laughs> is that the closing the goddamn door song? Is it? Yeah, there was two of them. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah there was song. two of them in quick succession. Nine in the afternoon was the other kind of... Uh, do you like I Write Sins on Tragedies? No, I, eh. no, not at all. <laughs> I like the line, closing the goddamn door. Though, closing so. the goddamn door, oh! <laughs> uh, but sorry, to, to, to go back, I don't know, is this... 
Are you referring to new Fallout Boy? Have Fallout Boy gone this sort of path as well? Or are you saying yeah. this? Okay. Yeah, very much so. It's very sad. Big pop sheen, big radio, two o'clock in the day chorus in middle America. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would you give it out of 10? Oh, I just... N-A-N-G. <laughs> it's over. It's over. It's over for Panic at the Disco. It's over for ratings, for Tapley at least. Okay. Uh, I oh, like- yeah, but yes, it's also over for Panic at the Disco, I, by the way. Sorry, I, 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 I will confess, I didn't like it. Can yeah. I have a number, please? Call him. Uh, number one. It's the return of girls' names. The song is called 25. That's Northern Irish Beat Collective Girls' Names. They're back with a song called 25, and it's all very dour, but I found it quite compelling, Tapley. I really liked it. I, like, straight away thought, and the Roadhouse welcomes Girls' Names. Oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah, that was very... There was uh, a moment last night at the John Conley book launch where himself and my boy Dave were, like, doing a Q&A, and John was describing the music, and he said today, he goes, he goes, yeah, some of Dave's music reminds me of The Nine Inch Nails. And I was like, did he do that on purpose? I don't know if he did. <laughs> Yeah, the nine inch nails, the girls' names. Oh, yeah, the girls' names. Yeah, I only get the reference now. I totally. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying. Yeah, very spooky, um, haunted house sort of music. Yeah. I really liked it. I'm not totally familiar with the band. I know they have they, some really good songs. I know who they are. I know they've been around for ages. Um, and this is pro- this is the first song I can remember hearing from them. In they've a long got like time. a ten. Yeah, no, they yeah they've been out of the game for a little bit. They've got a ten uh, song called Zero Triptych. I think it's great. Yeah, they lost their drummer. Um since their last record which is three four years ago now um so it's a lot of programming and machines here and i think it really suits the sort of yeah, foreboding heavy synthy sounds like um we also talk here about sometimes about like how a song kind of creeps into your head and how it just like works its way throughout its duration because of that the end of this when it suddenly cuts out genuinely feels like just like waking with a start or something it's it's excellent i really enjoyed it yeah. um yeah it's immaculately produced as it well it really is yeah it sounds gorgeous like, yeah and I, I i yeah the haunted house thing is a really good kind of way of putting it it does feel like you're traversing something a little bit unknown and also quite dangerous for you and i think you know particularly in a week where the songs haven't been the best mm-hmm. This was really good. It was it was very arresting and very captivating in all the best possible ways, and I look forward to seeing what they bring out next. Absolutely, yes. Stains on Silence is the album, and it's due at the start of May. I was going to say it sounds like Gary Newman. That sounds like a Gary Newman album title right yeah. there, doesn't it? <laughs> Gary Newman's Stains of Silence. <laughs> Tapley, there are three numbers remaining. Um, number two. Okay, we've talked about them a lot on this program, but never from a critical heft point of view. Let's see how two lads from a thigh done good picture this. Fair with their new single this morning.
Okay. I myself have previous with the Picture This Army, as they're known. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the Kiss Army wasn't fucking menacing enough. So their fans have, in fact, yes, come after me before on Twitter. And if they do so again, I don't know. Let's find out. This song comes out about a week ago or thereabouts. And, I mean, it's objectively terrible. Didn't like, even. Did, they debuted it on the dancing show, right? Oh, they did, on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. I mean, like, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's garbage. But, I mean, like, there's a thing I want to discuss here. He has a vocal inflection in this song that might be the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and it's when he says, you know, like, this morning, I took a look at you. But he doesn't say this morning, yeah, I took a look I at you. That. He says, this morning, I took a look at you. And it's like, you not know, just the high, but the took is real Irish. Can you give me a, can you, can you, I can't sing, obviously. Can you give me a, a rendition here? Talk. No, no, no. I want, I want the full line, please. No, I, would you forgive me if I said I can't remember what it goes like? Yeah. This morning I took a look at you. Yeah. Well, you can't make up the air either. Talk. <laughs> I look at you. Um, oh, what a terrible band. Yeah, I, like it's just another picture of this song, isn't it? I mean, this, here's the thing though. Like, can you blame them? Honestly, at this point. I oh, mean, they have like, their fan base like eating out of the palm of their fucking you know yeah. wee little hands. And so. but I mean like like they're selling you know like the album went gold. They're the only band I've ever seen who went number one with an EP. They sold at the RDS. Yeah, um, like they're playing gigs. They're making money. They're massive. Yeah, there's so. new Coronas. Like they're huge. And you know it's that weird thing where like you know I think the Coronas brought them up, and now the Coronas are opening for them. Yeah, they're massive. They're huge. And it's that thing of like okay. I'm like, I want to be clear here. I don't begrudge this. I really don't. There's, yeah. a pl- there's a place for this, absolutely. And, you know, I'm not like, why isn't, like, you know, fucking Tandem Felix playing to stadiums? I'm like, like it's fine. Because we know. I'm not going to speak for you, though. I mean, if you, if you have an issue here. I was going to say that you need to let go of your conditioning in order for that to happen. Okay, Julian Casablancas. But, I mean, like, it's very much like, this is the new thing. This is the new, you know, dinner movie and a picture of this gig on a Friday. Yeah. <laughs> And it's it's for it's for basic people like that's what it is. <laughs> no, but it is. I mean, like let's be, this people. It's music for people who don't like music. Yeah, no, but it is. And like, I mean, look look at the album charts, which I did. Um, they're at number six, but directly above them are Niall Horn and Ed Sheeran, and they're all cut from the same cloth. And that's very popular now. And I suppose if you can w- ride that wave for as long as you want, why not? At least with the aforementioned two other musicians, I'm I'm maybe going to shoot myself in the foot here but at least they're doing something quote unquote different I was quite shocked to hear this and to hear the script song that was released 10 years ago has been written again you know it's like at least Ed Sheeran is a guy with a guitar okay he may be doing a like Justin Timberlake thing now but this is just this is so nothing (laughs) it's incredible uh, how but it's relatable mate it's a breakup song we've all been there yeah, but... It's Tag Your Mate's music. That's what it is. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to give this 0 out of 10. Wow, he's back in the rating <laughs> back game. Back in the rating oh, okay, game. Out of this game. Well, you know, better luck next time, guys. But hey, what am I saying? They're massively successful. Yeah. Me they'll, fucking, they'll, they'll be grand. Me dissing them on a fiercely independent podcast isn't going to like upset them anytime soon. But uh, you're welcome on any time, lads. I'll never work in the city again. If you want to defend yourself. Up next, Cullum. Oh, I can't remember what not Four or five? Five. It's the return of uh, gallant young lads, Spies. They're back. The song is called Young Dad. I bet your credit to your mother. I try my best to please you. But the way you dream is at my dance, and I don't think I'd stand a chance. 
have returned and they've returned with uh, something that they once said the only rule they had in the band was no synths it's been comprehensively hurled out the fucking window that rule well, is broken I have to reveal right now that I played synthesizer with spies for about two years <laughs> is so that why they put that rule in after? maybe I forced them to break the rule yeah. so I interviewed spies about a year and a half ago for an interview that never ran because I was too lazy to write it up. And also, I was a bit incensed that the singer wouldn't talk to me that day because he was too busy doing his vocals. But what can you do? It's grand. I'm over it. Uh, I like Spies. I always have. And I'm glad that they're back. And this new direction is not what I was expecting, but I enjoyed it. It's ostensibly about them feeling that they don't fit into a scene, particularly that kind of London cool scene. And there's, mm-hmm. some good, there's some good skewering of hipster bands in here, as well as their own kind of, uh, I suppose, insecurities coming to the fore. I think it really works. Yeah, I think musically it's really strong as well. The drums are enormous. Yeah. Um, sound incredible, like. And I also like that the vocals are so high in the mix because there's going to be a temptation with a song like this with a lot of ele- electronic elements going on to just kind of drop it back. They haven't, and I like that. No, it's great. I've heard the rest of the album. I was around when they were working on it in Bolane Studios. And I do... I wish they had have hold, held off on this song because it's not the best out of the batch, which is, I guess, a good thing. Mm-hmm. More to come. Um, there are some definitive pop bangers, which is kind of, I guess, the sort of direction they've gone in. But there's one in particular, which um, hopefully will be coming out soon. Um, I think they didn't want to release because Young Dad showcases the kind of change in direction, very synth-heavy and stuff, and this other one, not so much. Got, you know, It's got some of that old-fashioned guitar in it and stuff like that. But... Um, yeah, it's interesting to see how it's been picked up by people. I was on their Facebook page today, and there was a comment from someone who was so disappointed. It almost seemed like a music journalist himself was saying, where are the beautiful, lush guitars of Sea Creature, and the so on and so forth. Where is the else. the modern falsetto of Barricade? Yes, exactly, yeah. I must have it. Don't do something different, band. Yeah. yeah. They're making the live come back in Wheelands in May. Uh, I'm looking Six forward to see what comes, yeah. I will be attending. Yeah. Fire first along the album, if you will, there as well. Tapley, but I couldn't possibly do that. <laughs> Send us a Dropbox link that they will know that we've downloaded because they'll get a notification. <laughs> Who's spying now, eh? Very good. One song left. It was okay. One song left. 30 seconds tomorrow's are back with ASAP Rocky. Can it possibly be anything but terrible? No. I have a There is a nothing to the madness, to the madness. Gotta have a one-track mind. So that's one-track mind, and my God, is this a bad song? Heard it's only thirty seconds to Mars, and it took you even less just to get to my heart. What the fuck are you doing, Rock? Don't want to suggest that ASAP Rocky is phoning it in or anything. (laughs) But uh, my God, Jesus. Okay, look, thirty seconds to Mars. Like they're obviously not a very good band, but they have the odd banger on occasion over the years. I would say. However, those years are long, long gone now. And I mean, they've worked with a rapper before. They've had Kanye West on a track called Hurricane, and it wasn't the worst thing ever. This is horrendous. And like, not only is horrendous, it's boring. Greta Klein had an album a while back that was called Jared Leto Can't Read. (laughs) 
and she pretty came pretty close because it's Jared Leto can't write. Hey. This, is, this is this is terrible. It's I have, so dull. You're looking at me like I have something to say. I have literally nothing to say about this. <laughs> um, I all the songs of the week. I gave each of them a second listen, and this one I couldn't even give a full listen. This was, <laughs> and, and that's a, a, this is the picture of this song included. Um, yeah, this is. This is a it's real so crock. it's so languid and and sterile and yeah. really really like super auto tuned sort oh, of thing man. as well. It's so it's, it's overproduced within well. an inch of its life, yeah. like and it's Jared Leto trying to like you know find meaning in the void. But all he's done all he's done here is create a fucking void. It's appalling. Like who like how, how has no one told him? I don't know. I don't know. He's a fucking weirdo, but like still, I mean, come on, this is this is just so bad, so bad. And that's the songs of the week. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, give us something good to listen to then. Um, since we've just ragged almost everything yeah, today. Yeah, uh, strange episode. I And I want to apologise for last week's episode, by the way, because I was, in, I was extremely tired, and as was Craig, and you can hear it on the episode. Selena Murphy was the only good part of it, I thought. And also, I know what you're going to say, and I'm going to apologise to you directly, Cullum. It takes some doing to make an episode go an hour and a half without an album review, <laughs> but by gum, we accomplished it. I know, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Nonetheless, I have been listening to American Head Charges' debut album, The War of Art. It's a really good metal album from 2001, and I very much needed it on a day like today when I was a bit tired. There you go. I have been listening to JJ Fad, which you probably wouldn't see coming. It's called Supersonic, and it came on my radar because the Jimmy Iovine, Dr. Dre a documentary series that's on Netflix now, The Defiant Ones, talks about how this was a girl group that basically bankrolled NWA at the start. Is that good, The Defiant Ones? Yeah, it's quite good. Okay. I mean, I'm not all the way through it yet, but um, but yeah, it just it mentioned that, you know, Dre produced this record, and it is, it went gold. It was the first one that, I guess it was Ruthless at the time, wasn't it, Um, had had, you know, financial success with, and that's what actually bankrolled a lot of what came after. And uh, yeah, it's 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 fun. I mean, you can see why maybe they haven't left the indelible mark and rap that NWA did. But uh, yeah, still worth a spin. Uh, I've been listening to the first Roxy Music album a lot. I kind of never really got into them. No. Um, but I love I, I love this. Is um, I'm kind of I know that I have to work at it to get even further into it, which I kind of enjoy with an album. I'm just kind of on the surface, and I know some of the well, I guess. You wouldn't really call them hits, but I know some of the greatest hits, yeah. best of sort of songs. And then the other thing I've been listening to a lot is a playlist that is made by Danny Wilson, the music editor of Totally Dublin, called You Got an Ox, which has got 330 songs on it, which is pretty much any time he finds a song, he just throws it in. So can, yeah. I get, can I get a link to that? I will get you a link to that. I will say that Danny was on the choice panel with me yeah. this year, and I, I think we got along famously. It was a little bromance, Colm, you should have seen Oh, really? And like all good bromances, bromance. we haven't contacted each other since. <laughs> it's, it's the three-month rule. But I will get involved with his playlist, because, uh, yeah, he, I, I found him quite a charming fellow. I've also been listening to the New The Galaxy album, I should note. Oh, uh, yeah. In advance of it coming out next week, and of course, next week on the show, Mick Pope and Make A will be coming in for a bit of a chat. Whoop, whoop. Our old buddies. So, yeah. That's the show, guys. That's about it. Thanks very much, David Tapley. Thank you for having me. Woo! Woo. Uh, Craig will be back next week, as we all will. As I said, the Galaxy coming in to guest. It's going to be fun and games, as it always is, on this no-encore show. My name is David William Hanrady, and to play us out this week for Exit Music is, of course, our guest from earlier this evening, A. Mac. The song is called Glow. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Now it's over.
for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly. 
But sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland. And you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.